Dan, Dan. Yeah. Something really important. What? I have to ask you something that could change the way you feel about us as friends. You know, you could have saved so much time right there just by asking me the freaking question, all right? This is really important, and I want you to take it seriously, okay? Are you ready? I'm all ears and a nose. Can I clean your gutters? Hmm. Now, I've been noticing there's a lot of leaves up there, and it's it's really blocking the drainage of the water. I know rainy season's coming up, so... um, just let me let me get in there. I'm like a little snake. I just kind of like I'm doing this motion with my hand that you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just crack open this beer and watch you clean my gutters. I think that sounds like a Hell good idea. Hell yes, that's actually part of the fetish. Mm, yes. So this is good for me. I mean, I want to help you. Nothing weird about it. It's hey everybody, sexual. welcome to the interview. I film. swear. <laughs> This isn't some kind of courtship ritual I'm playing on you where I am very helpful around the house until eventually you want to have sex with me on the floor of the garage, I think. <laughs> I forget where they were boning. <laughs> that's a reference to a film we watched. Yes. I'm Jared. That's Dan. It'll maybe make more sense later, like everything we do in the intro. Of course. We do independent film reviews here, and uh, we're, we ain't never going to stop. Ain't you know, never gonna can't stop, stop me. Never gonna Won't stop. stop. <laughs> Never gonna stop. Uh, so, Dan, what film did we watch? We watched a film called Good Guy with a Gun. It was sent to us Ooh. by Katie Rosen. I believe she is a producer on this film. If not a producer, then a, uh, uh, a promotional agent. Yeah, promoter. Yeah, I think she's probably a promoter. Yeah. Anyway, so she she sent us this film. And the film was directed by um, John Mossman. Mossman. There we go. Yeah. John Mossman. John Mossman wrote and directed this. Now, the title. Title evokes um, fear and anger and anguish in the hearts of millions of Americans just by hearing those words. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's preface this episode by saying we are going to do our best just to address the film and keep the politics to a minimum because it's not necessarily like the conversation that needs to be had about that needs to be had by the viewer and not by us. We're not talking heads here. Um, We will have to address some of the politics just to get like the reason why we don't necessarily, or we do want to critique the film or we want to affirm the film. You will have to understand the context of it, but on the whole, this film is going to be divisive. I think. I mean, like Dan is saying, we'll do our best to not be super opinionated because everyone has their own thoughts on basically it's gun control and guns and violence in America is what the film is about. Yeah. But it is told through a story of a mother and a son's relationship being tested. And then there's a lot of other things going on. This film becomes like a big thriller. There's there's like. It touches on a lot of other things besides guns. This film is... <sighs> so, we, I might have some opinions, but I'll, I'll try to keep it to a minimum. We'll see. One thing that we need to bring up before we get into this is John Mossman is a hunter. He owns a bunch of guns, but he is of the opinion that... like Of the staunch opinion that the NRA is a terrorist organization. Like, even though... Even though he is a gun owner, he he has he, that's where his fingers are in that pie. Um, yeah, and this is from articles that we were reading. I, I saw some reviews, and I read an interesting article where he was interviewed, 
it kind of states that he feels that he is a responsible gun owner owner and um a lot of a lot of where this film came from in his mind has been brewing for a long time yeah. and it's just through him his own personal experiences and then a lot of stuff that's been happening in America kind of culminated and he's like I need to get this poison that's in my head out also uh, and he, make this film he plays a character in the film he plays Oh he does? Yeah, he plays the like you know the crazy psycho hillbilly dude what yeah so so there's the one that's really outspoken and he has most screen time but then there's like kind of like a more badass guy that doesn't talk that much and he's the one that fires the big gatling gun that's the director oh my god i did not know that was the director (laughs) yeah oh i have something so fun about him too okay uh dan yes this is unorthodox but i'm going to send you a picture now oh and we're gonna link this picture Ooh. Uh, trust me, this is this is not this is gonna be fun. <laughs> I'm not being mean. I hope. Uh, okay, hold on one second. We're gonna link this as well so people can can take a look. Probably on our Instagram. All right, who does this look like to you? This is a scene from the film. Brad Pitt. Mm, think a news anchor comedian. Oh, John Stewart. <laughs> yeah, he looks like John yeah, Stewart. Does. So this it's the picture of the director as the bad guy who I was calling Leather Daddy in this film. Leather the whole Daddy. Time. I was oh, writing yes. it down as Leather Daddy in the notes. But he with these sunglasses on, he looks exact he looks very close to John Stewart, like almost his brother. <laughs> anyway. Uh, that's it. That's my review of this film, Dan. What do you think? Ooh, no, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to go further than that, Jared. Here we go. We're going to go with some questions. Yeah. Oh, well, before we get into questions, he, basically what this sh- what this film is, is this kid and this family lives in Chicago. The dad dies from a gun-related crime. Like somebody robs a, a woman and then he tries to stop it and then he gets shot. Anyway, shortly after that, the grandfather of that family dies. And he lives um, in a different place altogether. And they go to this small town and they realize that the small town is a little bit more conservative and small towny <laughs> um, than Chicago. And they feel a little uncomfortable about it, but they start to make their way in there. Like they, the, the mom gets a boyfriend of sorts and the son finds friends really quick and they're only there for like two weeks. That's, that's the other thing too. Um, yeah, they start to integrate into the town really well yeah. and like make friends and all that stuff. But they see things that they're not used to, like a 20 something year old, just holding a gun in the middle of the town for no yeah, reason. Yeah. An AR 15, not just like a regular <laughs> gun. Yeah. This huge rifle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they start getting into like the gun culture of that place and the team does at least the cultness of that yes. how it starts to he really starts to get indoctrinated basically into an extremist like well beyond just like a gun hobbyist yes. or a responsible and gun then owner. and something terrible happens in the middle of it which we will talk about during spoilers and then um yeah okay dan question do you feel like this film goes off the rails at like the second half. And is that a good thing? I'm not, cause I'm not necessarily saying it's bad. I wouldn't say it goes off the rails. It does amp up in a place where I wasn't expecting it to go. Me neither. And I really <laughs> liked neither. it. And I, I really like the ending of this film a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
I think the the instance that we're talking about and how it would quote go off the rails that aids the film because it's taking steps away from the things that I have problems with, but the things yeah. I have problems with, I don't know if you can make the film without them. Mm. Well, cause the subject matter, I really don't like getting into politics and like diving too deeply into them. And I feel like this movie did a really good job of basically, I'm like, all right, I'm watching this movie. And I, I it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. So here's, here's, here's my question. And like, let's just address it right now in questions. It wasn't cringe, I guess. I, well, <laughs> for me, it was a little Was bit. it cringe for you? Okay. Just, just in one instance. So. All right. And like, that's going to be part of my question. There is a scene in this film where the kid is getting acclimated to this gun culture that we have. Yeah. And they are having the most cliche, disgusting argument around a campfire about, or not campfire. They were just having it over beers about like, you know, your typical talking points of anti-gun versus pro-gun. And it's like, is there another way my question to you, Jared, is would there have been another way to bring up that nastiness of the politicking without having that cliche oh. conversation? Because Do you feel like it was too shoehorned in. Yeah, like it, it just it's like, mm. are we really having this conversation right now? But it needs to happen in order for the film to make sense and for the message to make sense. I think when you're watching it, you're kind of like, this feels a little unnatural, but honestly, I've had many similar conversations basically thrown at me with no provocation, just like this, mm -hmm. where like, I don't want to talk about this. I'm not interested. And someone is just kind of like talking at you with yep. this shit and you can't get away from Consent. it. <laughs> Consent in politics is not necessarily. <laughs> and it's almost like, you know, it's like they have their opinion and you have yours. So it's like, why are you, would you even want to argue? Like, you don't care. Yeah. And they're just like, I'm I'm mad about something that happened earlier today. So I'm just going to yell at you about gun shit for an hour. And I'm like, okay, I guess this is what's happening. So if, if, if I were to make a movie, uh, I would not make it about gun control specifically. I would make it more about um, the even bigger overlapping problem that I see, which is everybody seems to wear their opinion on their sleeve. Like it's a badge. Yeah. It's annoying. It's, it's ridiculous. So, um, you have a question, Jared. Yeah, I do. Dan, I'm a little annoyed that you didn't ask me what kind of film I wanted to make. Oh, what kind of film do you want to make? Vampires with titties. Dude, that's been done. Just like a lot of sexy titty vamp. So I could do it. Good. Hmm. What if it's like, one giant tit that's also a vampire and like the tentacles <laughs> Blood, come out of the nips and they beast. like <laughs> one yeah, giant it, tit <laughs> it like latches onto you and drains you of your blood yeah it's it's That'd pretty hot anywho fun. uh my real question for you dan is i was looking at some reviews and some people were saying that the main characters had depth but the side characters were a little one note well, that's another reason why I didn't like the shoehorned argument that they put in there, because it's like they are only there to be a, the mouthpiece. And I'm like, really? But now here's my question. Do you feel like that's what's going on, which it seems like you do? And also, do you need all of these characters to be not one note? Because in my thoughts, it's like if everyone has depth, then now we're taking so much time to go through and focus on all. There's a lot of characters in this movie. So I don't know. What do you think? 
Well, the only character's depth that we really need to know about are the boy and his mom, right? Everybody else, I feel like there's tiers or there's stages of depth that mm-hmm. like as we go, as we meet new characters and as we understand their significance to the narrative, they they are given so much depth depending on how how much they push the narrative forward. Like, for example, Jonah, um, in order for me to answer that question specifically, um, we'd have to start spoiling the film. So if you would like to watch this film, I don't, I, it, last I heard in November, whenever we first corresponded, um, it was in the festival circuit. Yeah. So, um, I'm hoping it comes streaming soon. Uh, if, if it does, I will definitely promote it. I, I enjoyed this film. I thought yeah. it was really great. Well, and one of the, I normally ask about the cinematography and, and other elements of film. It's form. all good. It's, it's amazing. Like it's all solid. There's no issues. A lot, a lot of really cool edits, a lot of really, really well composed scenes. Like they're just, yes. And sound really good oh action God. scenes. Sound, sound design was really wonderful. good. So, uh, before we get into spoilers, I'll say, some of the best like teenager acting I've seen in a while. Like yeah. these kids do a really good job. Um, and I was like, just like, wow, amazing. Um, also on the one noteness, cause we're, we're going to get into that. All right. So spoilers, we're getting into it. I'll, I'll tackle my thing in a bit. Cause I'm going to let you take it. So I, I feel like I'm hijacking. <laughs> there's this, there's a scene where what's the main character's name. Oh, okay. So let's talk about the main characters real quick. So we have Will and his mom, Tessa. Tessa. And then the neighbor is named Jerry, and his son is named Jonah. Jonah. Yeah. Yes. So there's a scene where Jonah kisses Will. And that's what I mean, going back to what I was saying before, that's what I mean about depth, right? That is a huge moment in the film that implies so much depth. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I, I guess, I guess the, I guess all of them, all of the auxiliary characters, they have just implied depth and some of them, some of them are deeper than others, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I, I, I think I like that. I think that the side character of Jonah being like the good neighbor friend of Will, who's helping him get in acclimate to living in this uh, new lifestyle or whatever he is more than a one note character to right. me. Now, are there characters who are one note in this? Yes, but I feel like they need to be that way because they're there to fulfill a purpose in the plot and it makes sense. Like usually when I'm complaining about like, man, these characters are one note, it's like everyone is that way. Right. I, I really feel like this film was well written. Oh yeah, it is. Because Jonah, he is saying things to you. You're like, oh, that's interesting. You're not really thinking about it. And then later on, it starts to like piece together uh-huh. because I feel like you're getting hints of his sexuality throughout the film yeah. and not realizing it until that moment and i didn't feel like it was out of place or anything like that i was like oh all of this makes sense now to what's going on um because he remember when he accuses that one girl who's oh i think that one girl's gay because she won't be envy and he's totally doing that to deflect anyone wondering why he isn't hitting on that girl yeah and i didn't even put that together because he's afraid of the expectations of his friends and his dad and everything else and then later on we have that scene with his with uh jonah's dad jerry who's like he like breaks down with Tessa and he's like, I want to be there for my son for certain things, but he's like, I don't know how to talk to him about it. He's yeah. talking about his son being gay and how yeah. to help him through yeah, it. Yeah. He doesn't know how to help him. 
And it's not that he hates him for that or, you know, for what he wants to be. He just wants his son to be happy. Exactly. And it was like, holy shit. So we're getting depth for a lot of these characters and a lot of great moments. And okay. So, uh, yeah, go ahead. So more depth, which was really expertly handed also by the, by the narrative. Tessa seems to talk less and less as the narrative goes on. Like she remains silent for some things. And I really like that. Cause that tells you a oh, lot about her super character. Good. So, so basically Jonah and there, there's this kid named Cade, right? Is it Cade? Yeah. Yeah. Cade, Cade is the son of the hillbilly who I like to call trucker guy. Yeah. But it's um, trucker guy and leather daddy. Something Buchanan. I forgot. What is first name? It's was. Trucker Guy. Trucker Guy. Anyway, Trucker Guy is very much outspoken, racist, gun toting, yeehaw, like just he's scary. That actor very is very really scary. Good. Like, yeah, he's 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 a he's a not a caricature. He's a um exaggeration. He well, I mean, caricatures are exaggeration. He's he's this. I don't want to call it a myth because I can see it. No, because honestly, I don't think like he's... these people are here. I don't think he's like a Looney Tunes cartoon. I've absolutely known people who act exactly like this guy. And he doesn't really come out and say... He doesn't like walk up on screen and go, Hey, everybody, I'm a racist and I like killing people that are different than me. He's way more subtle than that because that would be a caricature or though? an exaggeration. Because, okay, so, so he's written... He is a cult leader. Yeah, he's, so he's I written think very... that's the difference. He's written very in, intelligently because there's... Okay, what was I saying? Basically... He slowly brings you into he, the bad stuff that he's about through manipula manipulating young kids he's, with beer he's, and alcohol and partying. He's trying to blow up churches. And Will is good at chemistry, so he's like... Cage should ask Will if he would, you know, try to make these bombs for him. And then... Well, he lies to him about what the bombs are really for. Yeah, yeah. Will finds out that it's actually to blow up and be, like, crazy terrorists. But Trucker Dude confronts him whenever he figures that out. Oh, my God. And he ends up getting shot, right? That's, that's what happens. Yeah. And this guy dies, and now we have to, like, that's the big... That's the big climax. Or not, I wouldn't call it a climax, but that's, like, the big rising... That's the turning act. point yeah, that's the turning this. point third act beginning but because up until then it's like the whole film was something completely different it yeah. was it was the gun mm. debate it was it was the mother and the son you know like straining on their relationship and everything and then suddenly it's like oh this is a thriller now and when it hit that i was like okay fuck yeah, yeah let's yeah. go i was actually like yes i like this <laughs> i'm into it one of the most horrifying scenes to me involved the trucker guy and mm -hmm. if not it is the most horrifying scene it's whenever like whenever he's doing his cult thing and he has this chant that they all know by heart and it's an easy chant that will is able to pick up on and his peers are in on it so he's like oh i'm gonna get in on it too so the chant is basically something like i'm gonna have your back or like, who's going to have my back? And then everybody's like, I'll have your back. I'll have your back. But like, they say it in unison. And it's so fucking scary because why do we need to have our backs? Yeah. <laughs> your backs for what, dude? Because, well, he even says like, you guys need to be ready for the picnic. Like, there's there's like these little code words in there they aren't really understanding until much later like what he's trying to set them up for he's basically getting them all into like hey we're all in this together but no one asks what is this yeah <laughs> what are we in exactly because <laughs> they're young kids just looking to party and have fun 
Oh man, it's so good because if you if you really extrapolate it, there's this older guy who's like in his 30s or 40s who are hanging out with these underage kids yeah. drinking in the woods with them. How creepy and sad that really is. Although <laughs> as much as I hate him and as much as it's fun to 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 like have him as an antagonist, he has one of the best just one of the best exchanges in the movie. Whenever you oh God, don't, wonderful. whenever you don't know who he is at first, you just know that he's this kid's dad. Whenever all the kids are hanging out at first, like the kids, like, "Well, I gotta go," and he gets in the truck, and as the guy drives off, he just flicks off all the kids. I'm like, "What the fuck was that oh about?" Oh my God, that was really good because <laughs> he looks so mean, yeah. and he flicks him off, and it's the funniest. It's so funny. Uh, scene stealer yes. is the words I would use yes. because every scene in with him is so intense and just tough. It wow. I mean, when he was insulting his dead dad yeah, and telling oh, him he's was, a piece of oh shit. My God. And then he's like, all right, now get up and go shoot. And he's like, I'm going to coach you through it. No, no, he doesn't. He just he doesn't just insult his dad. He's like, yeah, your dad had a girlfriend whenever he was growing up here. And I fucked her. I'm like, what? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, it turned out to be my wife. Stupid bitch. It's like, oh, my God. This guy is a lot. Yep. This guy is just. Yeah insane i felt him in my room like just you know what i mean like he was that overbearing and the way he stands so close to everyone it's just so domineering he's like i am the boss and i am controlling every situation but then behind him is leather daddy (laughs) john mossman who's who's like the mastermind behind everything where he's like i don't believe in any of this nonsense that this guy's doing i just want him to cause chaos for my own yeah nefarious purposes is he illuminati dan yes or no most likely hell yeah we we figured it out so yeah it's it's like we have all these heavy topics and then this like fun action thriller that's kind of thrown in mm-hmm. that I, I think that almost makes it a little more palatable to people. So right. it's and not like, like we're preaching to you about guns and how it can make that, you very so, extreme so let and me, do bad things. I probably should have said this earlier on in the podcast, um, considering where we are time-wise. I think that the big hangup I have of the cliche gun argument, that that's so easily overlooked because this film is really nothing... T- I mean, it has nothing to do with gun control, but everything to go- do with gun control at the same yeah, time. Yeah, that's why it's cool. Yeah. That's why I like it. So I, I can't fault it for the cliche-ness because the, the argument needs to be there. It's just like, it's very easy to t- just be turned off by that cliche if you're just tired of hearing the back and forth. Especially because the talking points are so recycled, but then what are the talking points other than what is being recycled and force-fed through us mm-hmm, through mm-hmm. through, you know talking to anybody who's on either side of this thing. Yeah. I think this film does a good job of like the happy medium Yeah, of like, not everyone should have like, everyone should have a gun or it's like, no one should have a gun. Like there's, there's a middle ground there. We can all find where we're all normal, sensible people who don't want to murder each other because you don't think the same way or look the same way you do. Right. So uh, let's all meet there and have some beers, bro. Well, and, like also that's what kind of <laughs> right or kiss. We can also kiss. That's one of the things that makes this film timeless. But unfortunately, the other thing that makes this film timeless is the fact that it's going to be relevant for years to come. Yep, yep. This film could have <laughs> came out twenty years ago, and it would have been the exact same 
you know, message. It, it's still relevant, still poignant. It's a boom, bingy, bing, bang, bong. You know, we're all just right here. Uh, so, Dan, final thoughts on the film. What do you think? Um, it's an important film. It's. Did you enjoy it? I did. I did enjoy it. The only See? thing I did not enjoy was that kind of preachy argument. But again, my argument for that is like, it kind of needs to be there whether I like it or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like, it sets context. Um, but my favorite part about this. So the kid's getting in trouble. Will's getting in trouble with the law. And like, he's hiding a, this body mm-hmm. and he's avoiding police. And his mom. Oh, just, yeah. His did mom, we mention they're hiding a body yeah. in this movie? And his yeah. mom just kind of sits there and doesn't know what's happening, but does know what's happening. She and just keeps is it silent. super cool oh, about a lot so of things. Good. She's way too cool about some shit that went down, dude. He's like, mom, can you just pick me up by the old haunted bridge and we can just drive out of town and never look back? And she's just like, okay. Um, I kind of like that because it is heavily implied that the police are also in on the terrorist group organization. So they can't really go to them for help. It's also implied that mom and Will are going to stay like longer than two weeks because they they set up, you know, social um, interactions that are future. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, it gets to a point where it's like, no, we can't stay here. And they fucking leave. And he gets away with murder. He gets away with murder. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure if the film kept going, <laughs> that might have changed. Nope, but nope. Reality stops whenever a film stops. I don't know what you're talking about. That is true. So I disagree with you, Dan, on the film being preachy. I thought it was going to be. And I feel like this film handled it in a really, really Fair good enough. way. I, I will also say that... The side love story between Jerry, who I haven't really mentioned too much, is my favorite character. I love Jerry. I love everything about him. It's literally just this corny next door neighbor is slowly falling in love with Tessa and their relationship. And it's I could just I could have watched the whole film about that. It was fantastic. And then at the end, when they had to leave, she's like, I have to go like I want to stay here with you because of everything. It's kind of implied. She's like, we have to leave. And that was the most heartbreaking thing for me. I know there's like a whole thing of like Jonah and Will. They're like, oh, we were best bros. We went through so much. And they say goodbye. But I was really more sad for Jerry. I was like, oh, no. I was more sad for the mechanic lady. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The mechanic lady was so cool. We didn't even talk about her. Oh, man. So many good things go on in this film. So, um, absolute worth a watch. Go check it out. Dan, plug me daddy. You can find us on Twitter at IndieFilmPod. You can find us on Instagram at IndieFilmReviewPod. You can email us at TheIndieFilmReview at gmail.com. Here we are at the end of the show. Hell yeah. Oh, is it my turn? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for just being you, you know, living the dream, I guess. If if you really like us, you can rate and review us. I'd appreciate it. Or tell your friends and family about us. Uh, that really helps to get the word out. That's that's the real way our show can grow and show. You know what I mean? And if you don't know what I mean, ask your parents, I guess. I don't know. Uh, so thanks again. Dan, you have the final word. Okay, so I'm going to build this. <laughs> underwater mine with c4 and um a, a, a laundry machine and um i don't know how to put it together because i did not i did not um i didn't read the book 
So if you could, <laughs> if you could just, you know, read the book for me and put it together and be implicated in my crime, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna so blow up the Pacific Ocean. All right, <laughs> the whole ocean gone. Oh.